and welcome to the 55-1 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I am joined by Rodrigo Sanchez-Javaria, Mark Fangmeyer, Corey Schreppel. Um, we had the uh, we had the, the the mid-season get-together with the, the podmates, and, and Mark Fangmeyer uh, had plans that he made more than 36 hours in advance, which is embarrassing <laughs> at our right, age. Yeah, yeah it's totally true. embarrassing. Um, but, uh, you know, so I'm still working off, working off staying up till 1.30 with, uh, with Rodrigo, but Corey went to bed, went home at like eight, I think. But, um, and, and then, and then the, the, the best thing is that you kept on taking the, 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 the amazing Pisco bottle and you just kept pouring yourself little by little. Yep. And that's what I do. Was, it, that's what I do. It's how I pretend to ration myself when it's, when it's gotten <laughs> too late. And it's like, someone was just like, well, I was once doing that and going to the whiskey bottle across the room. They were like, for the love of God, Wes, I'm going to pour it for you. I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. I, I, I lasted till like 1230. You were only up for like another hour. Yeah. I was, Whoa. I looked at, I looked at my phone when I crawled into bed and it was one o'clock and I was like, okay. And then you I proceeded young, to I am young. Like Danielle and I do this thing whenever we're like, should we go out? Should we stay out later? And then we just look at each other and go, we are young and we are vibrant and we can do this. And then you uh, proceeded to, yeah. you, you got to, to watch then eight episodes of Stranger Things in a row the next day or something. Cause I had. Yes. Uh, oh, you guys are watching it too. G and Issa like literally binged like the whole morning. Just two whole... two things about that. I've got to uh, cut this entire segment, guys. It's no, way too long it. of an you're open. Leave it. This is what you get. <laughs> this is this is both. There is no cold open. This is just the open. Uh, <laughs> amazing cover of Journey's uh, uh, um, different ways and. Yeah, that's really it. That's the best part about the whole series right now. All right. Anyway, here we go. On. We are going to talk about soccer at some point on this podcast. <clears throat> Let's start with this. The good Minnesota Aurora FC clinches the Heartland Division, a playoff berth, and a home game against our longtime rivals in Minnesota, Indy 11. Um, that's going to be Wednesday, July 13th at TCO Stadium. Tickets go on sale they already went on sale because um, this will come out <laughs> Tuesday morning. Um, Tuesday. Go buy your tickets. Wait, uh, like, do do season ticket owners get like se- season ticket holders get um, get first crack at it? Um, okay. Uh, so that's ten a.m. on Tuesday morning, and um, yep. So it's pretty awesome. I kind of wanted to clinch at Green Bay. We've got two more regular season games this week, Thursday and Saturday at Green Bay, which uh, I'm going to be at. I know a bunch of other people are going to be um, making the trek yeah. to, to beautiful Green Bay. Yeah, um, Issa Watch is disappointed in you, but she she she's okay. She's We've talked about it this whole past week about it. So, yeah. About me going to Green Bay? Yeah, because you had told her you were going to go to her graduation party. Yeah, that's because I don't understand how dates work. Um, I but we are we the game is at noon, so we could probably still end up uh, at the graduation party. I'll I'll do my best. I'll drive fast. <laughs> all that, all that she, all that matters is that she gets a wad of cash from everyone. Um, all right, <laughs> pretty much you're right. I'm not gonna. Congratulations on graduating, Issa. Watch also congratulations on t- Tyler Adams graduating. <laughs> to the next level of being a, a U.S. player, going from uh, from uh, Re- Red Bull Leipzig, Red Bull Leipzig, yeah, sorry, to in the in the Bundesliga, to Leeds United, he's going to join up with uh, Uncle Jesse at Leeds, 
and uh, mercy. And then uh, cut it out. And then the New York <laughs> Red Bulls ha- are getting 33% of that. So they're going to get over $8 million. Uh, This, this oh. is great. I do worry about um, anytime a coach kind of gets it big and then they bring back uh, their, their best hits. And it's like, ooh, is it going to fully work? But Tyler Adams is an awesome player. So I, I fully have faith in him. Uh, U.S. men's national team, the U-20s, clinched the Olympics for the first time since 2008, and uh, they will also be going to the U-20 World Cup. And I believe so, yeah. Mexico yeah. crashed out of both, which is Correct. pretty cool. Did you did you did you see the is it was it the Guatemala versus the Republic the Dominican Republic penalty penalty no. shootout? Mm-mm. Oh my God, that was bonkers! I think I think the if I'm if I'm not mistaken, and it might be that the, the Dominican Republic is also going to um, to the Olympics as well too. So that's going to be really really cool. It's not it's not a it's not a good uh, it's not a good run for 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 Mexico lately. And I mean, as we're taping this, it's uh, Mexico are playing Jamaica in the in the Concacaf W Championship, and Mexico is currently losing one nil to Jamaica. Everything's coming up, Millhouse. Um, <laughs> speaking of the U.S. women beat Haiti earlier today, we're recording on Monday. On I was going to say Labor Day, what's July Fourth, whatever this is. Uh, Indo- yeah, Independence. It, it feels like it's a, like there's a lot of labor happening. Today. Bill Pullman Day, um, mm-hmm. and so sure it's not Bill Paxton. I don't know it the difference. Bill I've never seen them in the same <laughs> place. So. Um, and so uh, the the U.S. women, this is a CONCACAF championship or um, uh, World Cup qualifying. So they play Jamaica on Thursday at 6 p.m. And, uh, and then the final game that they have, the Mexico game, is Monday, July 11th, which is going to be pretty awesome. Um, let's see. Other good. Minneapolis City Futures won the Midwest US, UPSL. And then they went on to like the national championship, right, Rodrigo? Yeah, they they went to the championship, but they drew uh, Chicago Nation FC, and they played in Blaine. Chicago Nation and, is bigger than Chicago City, right? For right. those who and are then, keeping track, and then they ended up losing literally, I think, in like the ninety third minute of a corner oh, kick, bummer. one nothing. So like. Um, I think great accomplishment, but the futures. I'm a big fan of a lot of the players, and and of course, as everyone knows, Mutu Watch. Um, um, the so, great, yeah. greatest thing about Mutu Watch is um, I only maybe this week discovered who Mutu, Mutu was, <clears throat> and you've dropped a Mutu Watch reference um, at least thirty times on the show, and each time I'm like, oh, that's that's nice for you. Um, so now Wait, isn't, isn't isn't Mutu a a, a Pokemon? No, that's Mewtwo. That's Mewtwo. Yeah. And shut don't up. Don't do this again. Yeah. Don't don't derail us into Pokemon. <laughs> uh, here's the bads. Let's hit some bads. Manchester City owners have now taken a majority stake in Palermo, and I believe it only costs like 15, 20 million. Was it? It was something ridiculously low. It was like 15 million. I don't think it's... Uh, but super awesome. I'm so happy that they have 30,000 clubs now. It sounds. It sounds like this is the. I saw a number, and it could be wrong because you know we do our research. It was like, uh, this is now their eleventh 
football club that's now under the city football group. Yep, they're 11, 11th club that they've picked up. Ugh. So uh, can't wait for them to pick up everyone else. And so it'll just be one big homogenous. That fine, that fine Italian. They, yep. they, they, didn't, they didn't actually realize that olive oil isn't the same kind of oil. Oh, yeah. Try, they're trying to one. diversify. Um, <laughs> another bad, Scott Vermillion, um, who died in 2020. Um, they, he was kind of they, through the study, found to be the first American professional soccer player with a CTE diagnosis that's done post-mortem. Um, there, there's, a, there's a just shameless self-promotion on this one. Um, co-worker of mine, Andrew Kay, uh, had, the, had the feature on uh, the New York Times Sports um, really great piece that that we link to in our um in our show notes here um but yeah if you just search for scott vermilion in the new york times and you'll bring up andrew's piece and he talks to his family and former players and um goes pretty deep into the uh into the details there's a really, yeah, really no, good piece that was a great article but also the the mlspa put a statement on the the report on head injuries and i think that opens up uh, a much bigger conversation that we've kind of had a had a little bit on here, right? We've talked about injuries and head injuries and extra subs, but also I think it's it, it if anything, this this starts hopefully starts changing the culture of not taking uh, concussions seriously in soccer and um, you know especially in youth sports. So so hopefully this will be the start. Let me move to the weird, which is um, the fourth division English side Crawley Town were recently bought by the American crypto investment group WAGME. Um, and they've announced that their third <laughs> kit will only be available to fans who buy their NFTs. Jesus. That was a real, real sentence. That was, um, th- that is real news. I-, I have not made up any of those things. Oh my God! What does "wag me" stand for? We are all gonna make it. In fact, is what it stands stands for, which is even dumber than "wag me." "Wag me," it's, you're just it's like, used, oh, it's maybe. used to build. Like this is just top top Google moneycontrol.com, which totally feels legit. Uh, the acronym is widely used by the crypto community to build confidence and encourage the community to not lose hope. <laughs> if if you. Man, if you would have told me um, that WAGME simply was just, it wasn't an acronym. It was the name of like a, a, a furry escort service. I'd be like, all right, that's, that's pretty lame. Um, but this is the, this it takes it to a new level. Anyway, it's also pretty shitty for um, new owners to cut, like do this thing that is obviously a cash grab, obviously a ho- like a Ponzi scheme and, and just like ripping off fans it's really stupid i hate it yeah cool but that said when are the uh, aurora and nfts gonna be coming out yeah um <laughs> aurora's only gonna soon. have fungible tokens yeah our our <laughs> tokens only fung. that's in our mission statement um <laughs> former watford vancouver and u.s player jay demerit um he brought the family to blackheart this week they were in town um and it caused me to remember the fact that in 2006 he recorded this cover of the Ween song, Dr. Rock, and it was called Soccer Rocks. <laughs> and um, and they, were, they like put it out as a, a single in 2006 for charity. And then he went on Soccer AM, which is like a morning soccer show, football show, um, 
And he did like this weird music video that was like basically like him in front of this green screen, but like behind him was like all those old like win amp music visualization things. Anyway, I bring this up because apparently he must have paid a high dollar identity firm to go out and erase it from the internet because there's like no record of it anywhere other than like a couple articles that reference that it exists. So you guys Googling it, everyone at home, I've Googled it. Yeah, I can't find it. And there was at one point, I remember it being hard to find, but it was one point on Twitter and I can't find it on Twitter anymore. So uh, I was just uh, looking up the whole uh, Michelle Akers Wambulance uh, comment that she had on Instagram. So that was just, you know, how the Orlando Pride are, are how the Wolves own, the Wolves owned Orlando Pride are becoming just pretty much a laughing stack of the NWSL at this moment. So tell me yeah. about this. I don't get it. Wait, what's the Wambulance comment? So, um, so Michelle Akers, as you don't know, she's one of the assistant coaches at, um, at the, at the Orlando Pride and the Orlando Pride is also being investigated. We talked about it uh, for uh, perhaps verbal abuse, if not more abuse by the coaching staff. Uh, in her Instagram, um, she posted a picture of the, the it's called the Wambulance. So it's mm-hmm. millennials, snowflakes and cupcakes, mobile crying post. All liberals welcome coloring books and crayons provided. And the post says, uh, what is it? Many people to call the Wambulance when there's a more complaining going on, but this is the first and the last. So she posted this on her um, oh looks God. like to be your Instagram Instagram account, and then uh, it made Twitter. So yeah. So all right, let's go take a break, and uh, it's going to be Minnesota United time. Back on the 55-1 podcast, it's a, it's a good news edition this week. We have not three, but six points. And uh, I think six kind of unexpected points, especially, you know, uh, for good reason, the last few podcasts have been pretty depressing to, uh, to record. And, uh, and that's because we felt like we've just hit this rut and, and kind of we're despondent. And then, uh, then you have this dumbass game in, in LA and then this, uh, this great home game. Let's just do this news here, which is that Kervin Ermagurden, um is out for two to four weeks because of his ankle injury. Uh, that happened in the 21st or t- early 20 minutes uh, in the LA Galaxy match. Then Joseph Rosales, um, genius, um, MacArthur Genius Award winning Joseph Rosales, um, is suspended for the uh, RSL match after the Galaxy match because he got his second yellow because he got in a, a kerfuffle. A, a was, Kerm, it, was, it Douglas, was it Douglas Costa? Yes. Who, yeah. Who, like elbowed him in the back mm-hmm. of the head and then yeah, like, and, whistle blew. Oh, God. It was, and prior to that, he'd gotten a, his first yellow card like three minutes prior to that in like the 93rd minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and well, in Rosales' defense, it's hard to not do anything when you get like wrecked in the back by Douglas Costa. So, yeah. Well, the, Kervin uh, uh, Ariaga's Instagram post. I don't know. I'm, su- I'm surprised uh, Mark hasn't, hasn't hasn't done the digging. But there was a picture posted of both Joseph Rosales and Kervin Ariaga in crutches and like in the hospital gown. So, so hopefully mm. he's just doing it for <laughs> Joseph Rosales is just solidarity doing it for sympathy things. <laughs> <or> like- <laughs> well, Joseph Rosales, what was the what was the game before that? Uh, he, he had an ankle the, injury. Yeah, yeah, at the the Miami game. 
he had an ankle injury that he came out for. So I wonder if it's um, who knows when that photo was actually taken, but if you know if he's actually also has an injury that's woof. So uh, you know. Minnesota. The other little news is that Minnesota United two beat Vancouver two to nothing. Um, Iwe and Jackson scored, so they are six points in the West. <laughs> they have twenty four points. The first place point uh, team is North Texas, and they have thirty points. So there we it's go. It's not that big. It's not that big of a gap. I think it's just like I, so. I put some of those notes in, and it's like I don't really know how the standings are working. I forget what the playoff scenario is for MLS Next Pro, but it's like they're two wins away from being up in that playoff picture. And it's like... Yeah, the thing is that North Texas is always handed their behinds every time yeah. they play them. So it's yeah. like... I think I think they're associated with Dallas FC, right? Yeah. yeah. I think that... Yeah, so that's, that's you know... That makes a lot of sense. So um, let's do some watch t- talk. Uh, Mark, you want to take us through uh, Watchland? Um, yeah, it sounds like, um, was it Alan Benitez, uh, from Benitez, Benitez, whatever his name is. The, it's, uh, um, it's Alan Benitez. Alan. All right. Anyways, he's coming. It sounds like it's a done deal pretty much, which is kind of too bad because DJ Taylor is actually playing really, really well. But, um, well, I mean, you still need depth there regardless. Yeah, that's true. But, um, but yeah, no, it sounds like he's a done deal. And then, um, and he's someone who we had previously looked at his, stats and it was like not not particularly impressive if if i was more of a right winger right from the steps that we looked at him i thought but it was one of those like a right wing back scenario yeah Yeah, but he's also also i remember looking at he's very good with crosses which i think is probably why that they're looking for him as the metonary replacement yeah and and it sounds like he has he already has a visitor's visa which means that there won't be any delays with immigration stuff and it sounds like the deal has been worked out so they just need to get him here, do a medical, and That's sign awesome. the paperwork, and then he can start. So, so actually, the visitor's visa. But he's uh, a, I was ho- I was hoping he'd get a tourist visa, so he'd be like, <laughs> "Hey, I'm just going. You know, I'm going to go slow sightseeing, and then I'm just going to play like four or five games." You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it might might end up being the case. So he's a 28 year old <laughs> player for um, uh, Cerro Porteño, which is not a very big club. Um, not a very good club either. Yeah, and like uh, in. T- you know he's had seven or four starting four starts this year. Um, now, of course, this is from the data. Whenever I pulled this report, when the, when we were f- first rumored to, to be after him, but I I mean a twenty eight year old guy at a shitty club um, is is kind of I don't know. It just seems kind of like a uh, a very interesting choice. Um, but who knows? Well, it sounds it sounds like he's played for the uh, Paraguay's national team alongside Luis Amaria. So you know maybe there's a little bit of Lu- Luis vouched for him a little bit and just said, yeah, it would be fine as a depth piece or yeah. as a rotating starter. Who knows? Uh, and then um, Andy Grader from Penny Press reported that the team could also be in the market for a new uh, DP level striker, which you know. Good for them. I mean, I mean, when has this not worked out? So just go for it. Greater right. added, I think, at another point that um, they're they're also potentially looking at like a good, a really good MLS experienced striker. Which again, they should have been doing ages ago. So, but that's nice to hear. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's... who who would you like? Who would out of all the strikers out there right now that like, you think you could put a bit on? Who who would you like? Um, I, I have two. So I think the thing is. Ibobasi, if you could get him for somewhere around what San Jose got him for, I like think two million. Uh, no, I think it was just over a million in in Gam Tam. Okay. Um, I mean, there's the obvious ones of that that you have no chance at, like um, like Rui Diaz, obviously. But um, I, I I'm not exactly sure who I who I would go for at this point. But well. The LAFC striker is it Chicho because uh, Gareth Bale, uh, Arango because Gareth yeah. Bale's coming in there, so he's mm. kind of like out of position with three of them. So, sure. you know, honestly, mm-hmm. I would I would try to make a bid for that. Like, I'm okay overspending. Like, if you're getting you're getting a player who it's who they've proven themselves in the league that they can do something productive, instead of going overseas and just trying to figure out if you, you overpay there and then only have someone play 128 minutes the second second season they come they play for us so I'm gonna yeah. ask the question what is the likelihood that they would ever even entertain the idea of bringing Christian Ramirez back from Aberdeen I I don't think um, Ramirez is the answer. I mean, I, I think right. that they would definitely right. consider it. But the thing is, um, Ramirez, it would be a nice option to have out there. But I don't. I'm not sure if at this point we need someone who can, who can produce, who can be really um, good and consistent. And and it seemed like that that would be a, a pretty big gamble, unless we can get him pretty cheap and then you bring him on as one of the options. Because we'll talk about the options right now. Um, well, when we get to the RSL game, because we got to talk to Lottie. <laughs> we don't talk about Abu. Um, so but let's talk briefly about these two games. Anything from the LA Galaxy match that we want to um, to really highlight, other than it was just just stupid. But well, I don't know if it's stupid in a sense, but I think one of the things that, like we've talked about, which kind of. Minnesota United team will come and play is either the one that plays really slow and tries to shift the ball back and forth or the one that plays directly and quickly forward, right? And and and, and does all that, uh, the the quick passing and, and moving of the... And I, and I think, you know, for the majority of this game, like, there was a lot of that, right? And I think um, that made it more interesting in the sense, but I think also, I think Reynoso is beginning to at least recognize... Um, what Bongi can do is stretching the field and getting him the ball to be able to do things. And I think that's that comes with time, but I think also, you know, the whole conversation that has been out in the news that they're asking him to shoot more. He Reynoso has is, is, is been... They're asking Reynoso to shoot more? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's been, you know, it's, it's been productive in that sort of sense. So. Well, Reynoso had an absolutely fantastic curler um to the back post in this game that, that uh, was kind of like, Oh crap. Uh, here we go. We've got Reynoso. I don't even need, I was going to say we've got him back, but he had, he doesn't usually score fantastic goals from distance like that. Right. Um, but I think, I think at that goal, everyone knows that he, when he ever gets the ball on the top, close to the edge of the box, he's going to, he's going to push the ball left and see if someone follows him. And he's going to try to shoot it from there. And it, it it was a well. It, it's just he was just much quicker this time. 
And then, the, and then the other goal when Bongi had the ball and he he chopped it and then literally just left it, left it, left the ball right there for Reynoso to just, just bang it, and just tap it in beautifully. I mean, I think that that speaks a lot of of like getting that ball forward. I'll say my my two notes from this match, and I, other than the you know the collapse that we'll talk about briefly, but um, I think this was Kamara Lawrence's and Franco Fragapane's best game of the season so far. Um, I thought Kamara's find starting to find out what his relationship is with Fragapane, which is much needed. Um, Fragapane for his goal that was had a beautiful cross by Kamara Lawrence. Fragapane was actually on the right side, um, but he was able to one-time it into the back of the net. But it was it was kind of that that upfront attacking three or four kind of chaos ball that we that basically took us through to the Western Conference playoffs, Western Conference final in 2020, and that you're starting to see a little bit more of that come out, um, a little less positional, you know, rigidity but a lot more fluidness. And part of that is Reynoso. Part of that is Kamar Lawrence. But in that, that instance, is, is he's serving up really, really great balls and also knowing his winger that's in front of him, Frank, Frank Payne, is he knows how to operate in the space when Frank leaves that now is, is what I saw a little bit that match. I think... No, and sim- well, and similar to that, like also, like, I mean, for one of this, Frank, Frank Payne's best game in L.A., Prior to RSL, which I thought he played even better against RSL, but um, also on the right side, uh, DJ Taylor is also doing a great job of getting up and attacking. Like you see him getting up and taking shots from distance and getting them and getting them close to being on target. But like when he's up there and pressuring, it's just a good sign for the the offense overall in their attacking shape that he's up there and doing that. And he's been looking great and then also playing really well defensively too. Like it seems like now that he's got like five or six consecutive starts under him. He's really starting to like jive and get into the flow, and he's looking really good. If we remember that great playoff run, especially last year, it was a, a solid one year ago. That was vibes ball, though, right? That's when we were all it was was just riding these vibes of these guys really clicking. And I, I don't know what happened before this LA Galaxy match because it felt like we were riding into this just death spiral of pessimism and then something happened because both Frank and Reynoso came to play, you know, other players have been up for it in recent months, but Fragapane and Reynoso have been noticeably not interested and Frank has been uninterested all season and they were both very active and even Fragapane was like chasing balls down in a way that he has not done all year. And I don't know what, what happened, but um, it's pretty nice because Vibes Ball is back. Well, I, I think it has to do with a little bit of that. I think I think Lude also has, has, has a different role that he's played now in the second half of the season. Is he's, he's trying to be more of that connecting passer person and taking up space. I mean, he's the one that gave the, the first assist to... to um, to Reynoso, but I think overall, I think his 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 he's the best player on that field currently. I think he's been we know over over everywhere and being able to connect the passes. We'll talk more about his role when it it, it changed. And I think this, I think this game um, comes after you know um, some of the comments from some of the leaders on the team saying that 
yeah, we, we, we dropped points against Inter Miami when we should have totally beat them, right? And I think that that has to be like a inner discussion uh, clubhouse meet team where you know you should have beaten them. You have to come out and, and, and show that you can play. And I think that's, I'm hoping that's what's one of the, one of the conversations that, that happened with Will Trap and, and Boxy and anyone else who wanted to step in like Hayes and just be like, look, we need to produce. And I think um, it, it, it got it to that point. I think people are beginning to to just kind of start clicking a little bit more. But two games is two games, right? We'll see. Yeah, and also with the LA thing, I mean, that red card changed the feel of the game a lot as well. Like, with LA going a man down that early in the match in the 24th minute, that totally changed things. And, like, thankfully, like, you know, closing out that second half is like it, we got two great goals following that and went into halftime up 3 nothing. So that totally changed the feel of the game as well. And, um, in a red card call that if you follow the exact letter of the, the the rules was a red card so long as you don't look at it too closely but the but the thing so so we came back from halftime right uh, uh will trap committed a, a pk in the box right mm-hmm. just totally unnecessary when you're up three three zero like that um and just it just dog shit defending in the box and he's He's been like, look, look at how many yellow cards and, and accumulation suspension. Was he at two accumulation suspensions already? We're not even halfway through the season. Um, he's not a clean six. Um, he's just a and, guy who loves PTO, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't see all you. It, it's like all these like millennials are always shaming people who are just they just they use their PTO. It's given to them, and you don't. You don't have to be a workaholic. You can have another part of your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're owed it. It's part of your compensation package. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I but, mean, I mean, I don't. I don't mind the fact that he's being more physical, and I'm sure. Yes, the uh, problem we've had Ethan, Ethan Finley also had a bunch of PKs when he was here that were like stupid, stupid, stupid. But it's not penalties. that Will's being uh, too physical. It's that he's, well, he's like just being just, he's getting beat. Yeah, <laughs> like he should have had a Which yellow card in the um, I mean, RSL like, game. When he t- completely took out a guy on when they started a counterattack, and we were all like, "Oh yeah, it's a yellow," and then no, no yellow, <laughs> and it was like, "Okay, shh, yep, the comable, but the lifestyle." But like the big thing, so like that was what like the 60th minute, and then and then LA put in what five subs before this the 70th minute, and then our first sub came in at 75th minute. Abu came in for Reynoso. The and ex- the expected goals in this game was 2.86 for LA Galaxy and 1.21 for us. Um yeah. so as they say, we were lucky and and you know, the amount of shots after the 60th minute, you've got um uh, Delgado is that that's when the goal happened. Yep. That, yep. Then you've got uh, Alvarez Aguirre Jovalich, Edwards, Jovalich, like all headshots. Um, so yeah, and and it and it's just like Abu comes in, and that is our. So we had yeah, we had an early sub with uh, Rosales for Ariaga. Bongi came in early for Amaria in the first half because Amaria had an an adductor thing, and then Abu was our only second half sub. So we were totally gassed, and. You know, and let's then then bring that to the RSL game where we were gassed, and you saw players like Bongi 
in the 55th minute was cutting up runs. And it was just like, my dude, you're one of the kids out there. You need to be run. If you need better conditioning, if you're not ready to do this, because this team plays at a high tempo and and this is, we've often talked about how we fall apart in the second half. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a big part of it. And if they're not fit to do that, um, that's, that's going to keep on hurting us, especially as uh, in the playoffs. And I, and I just want to say, like, I don't, I kind of want to make it clear. I don't think that Abu was the reason that we gave up a night. Like Abu getting subbed in at the 75th re- minute was the reason for a, a 93rd minute second goal from LA that could have resulted in them potentially coming back and drawing. But like, he offered nothing in terms of either defense or anything interesting in the attacking third. Well, can I skip to the Dunlady part of the RSL talk? Even so, it's yeah, a little bit, a little out of the order. Dunlady yeah. did come in in the 69th, nice minute, um, and immediately comes on, and there's a counterattack, and so he's he's released. He's going down the side. He pulls up slow to let the defenders catch him, and then tries to play a through ball that goes immediately to a third defender. And you know what happens next? RSL went down to the other side. And then there's a um, an RSL player making a run to the back post, and the ball comes into him. You know who should have been tracking him and is only walking? Yeah, Abu mm-hmm. Dinladi. So then that player, completely free to send in a ball that gets finished. Dinladi, <clears throat> like within a minute of coming in, completely just like shuts down our own counterattack and gives up a goal. And then in the 76th minute, when the... Um, when the second goal comes for RSL, it's a corner kick. And you know who let motherfucking Anderson jump at the near post unchallenged? Abu Dinladi. It's yeah. like crazy. Like the dude like hates Adrian Heath. <laughs> or something. Well, I don't know. I, well and, and it's well, it's like and and you and you have to think that his instructions were the same as Bongi, like for like, right? Because what was Bongi doing that in the entire match? Being good at soccer. Know. That's what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, well, Reynoso and Lud or any of the the attacking four or five were sending in direct balls into space and Bongi was chasing them down and either going right at goal and he had like a couple of beautiful chances or he got closer into the box and then cut it back. Right. They were doing the exact same thing for Abu and he was doing what you exactly what you were saying with where he where he would slow it down too far away from goal to try their to either like cut over and then turn the burners on which he doesn't have anymore um or try to try to cut back and lay it off to somebody else who isn't there because we're up 3 3 1 at that point and they're staying in the central third of the field to provide a little bit more coverage so it's like I don't know. Hey, Corey, real I mean, quick, I, real quick. Were, were people doing it on the screen behind you? Uh, yes, I believe so. Danielle is watching a, um, she is watching a sad, uh, is, are they Scottish or Irish? Sad Irish show. What's it called? Conversations with friends. And uh, it's like two young people. Um they're doing more than just talking. Yeah, they're having a good conversation. <laughs> oh yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> they are. Yeah, they are using their. They are using their tongues real well. Yeah. Yes, they are. Um, 
Good for them. You know? Good for them. The, All right. The, um, the, yeah. So, so that, that's enough. Let's go back a little bit earlier in time here. Robin Lud starts at the eight, and um, I don't. You know, there was so much going on. I also had a meal with me at the game, so I'm not sure if I got like the full oh, um, tracking him and seeing how how Lud did. I, I saw some people who were very pleased about this um saw some some people who thought that he was out of position a lot and was a liability do do any of you have uh, official thoughts on robin lud at the eight um i did love to see robin lud the bruiser come out because he was just taking guys out and like so much so like there's one time where i forget who he took out but like just came straight into him took him out and then like it was like a borderline yellow card. So he just like he just kept walking. He just walked away. Like just walked down fields. Like yep, I followed you. I'm just gonna walk away from the whole thing and just like let it go. Not gonna argue. Not gonna do anything. Just let it go. And um, that appreciate. But like one thing I liked about him at the eight is that his uh, ability to not only connect like uh, you know the defense central mid to the attack, but also when the opportunity arose, he's an attacker. So he's able to actually take it down into the attack. The attacking third as well, and like, kind of like almost finish the play as well. So like, there was I mean, there was a time where he put the ball off the post. Like, so I kind of appreciate having that aspect of it where he was able to do both. And like, I mean, he wasn't perfect at the eight, but I thought he was more than serviceable for his first time playing there as in a Minnesota United kit. For someone, for someone who, I mean, he's played that role or deeper in the midfield for his national team, so it's not unfamiliar to him. For somebody who has never been tasked with doing that for our team, I thought it was wildly successful, all things considered. Um, in the LA match, he he has come back deeper. Um, when the other subs came on, I forget exactly the reasoning, and I don't care at this point. But I think a couple of things that I noticed, because our, our seats are closer to midfield in the upper deck, and so you get to see a lot more of the play develop. And you see his head is on a swivel. He's constantly checking to see where everyone is at. Um, and he's reading the game really, really well from that position. I think he has, I think his defensive abilities are great if he doesn't have to be bombing up and down the wing or tracking back. And he can stay a little bit more central and reserve more of his energy uh, for just throwing elbows at people. But he's able to collect the ball. He's really, really good on his feet and is able to get out of tight spaces when he's, when pressure is coming at him. But He's really, really accurate with his passing, and he's able to have a lot more influence in the buildup, which allows Reynoso to stay closer to his wingers and the nine. Um, do I want to see him there all the time? No, because I want to see him score. But seeing him a little bit deeper, I think, frees up, allows Reynoso to stay almost as like a withdrawn striker too. So it was great. I thought the the way that the the ball moved side to side. I think Rodrigo, you know, we talk a lot about this where it comes out, it comes back in and we kind of um, throw the other teams, like they're shifting, throw it off a little bit to create these passing lanes. I think having Lud there is a wild card and that actually gave us a nice advantage. I think it could be used in certain moments where we need a little bit of that extra creativity from um, playing out of the back. I think one thing that we have to also take in consideration, the reason that he was played in that position is because Kervin was hurt and Rosales w- w- was suspended. And so all you had was Will Trapp and you needed someone to fill that eight position. Well, you had Ja'Cory Hayes. 
Well, yeah, but Corey Hiss is not getting is getting more time with uh, with those loons than he is with uh, with the senior team, and so like you needed someone who who could who could who was accurate passing and who was able to pass the ball quickly, and it reminds you, and and Mark and 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 credit to Mark, it reminds you a little bit of of Gregush's work when he first started into it, where he would he would be the eight that be connecting the passes and he'd be making reads and and doing all that kind of thing, and it worked well as Corey pointed out because it opened up the space for other people to be able to to have more time and vision, and I think it led to Reynoso uh, realizing that. That that, uh, that Bongi stretches the field when he gets the ball. There are many times where Bongi probably in four or five times that he got the ball in a long pass or a through ball, um, that he was literally when he got up to the attacking last uh, attacking third, he was literally the only forward that we have, the only player within line. And I think he had to, and sometimes he would take it on his own. Sometimes he would wait. And I think he has to be a little bit more patient in that matter. But I, I, I overall thought that he that that Lou did a did a decent job. Um, he he really I was more pleased with his passing and his awareness than anything else. I I think it's an option to use, um, and I think it's, it's specifically if you are going to bring in a Don Lottie, uh for Amaria in a sense. That's the only reason I ever want to see Don Lottie. On the field, if he's being instructed to just be the sole striker out there, so I'm he not, doesn't have I'm to not. have any any defensive duties or <laughs> midfield duties. I still I think still I, don't I, want to see it. I I think I have a I go back and forth about whether or not I think Reynoso or Lud is our best player. Like who is the better player and who is the more influential player? And I have a hard time. I think I think Lud is is probably not just our most reliable, but I think. Our most consistent and probably most influential, um, more so than than Reynoso this season. I think you have to go with consistency. For me, it, yeah, consistency yeah. wins over whatever you can do. You, if you want to have three good games and then you play like crap, you know, but you score goals, I guess that I guess that's that's the the cosmetic aspect of it of your game. But if you are the one that's making all the passes, you like close to eighty percent passing rating. Uh, and you're creating opportunities, and you're one of the leading scorers on our team. I mean, that I think that weighs more for me. So in this match, we had a couple people stand out. Um, we mentioned DJ Taylor was quite good. Um, you know, Reynoso obviously had a, again another fantastic game. Um, Kamar Lawrence seems to be much more reliable. Um, I can't say too much about um, Boxy and Debasia. I think they could have done better on the first goal, but um, you know, we get a goal and two goals from Reynoso. Um, Reynoso has his uh, penalty saved and then he uh, taps it in. But Amaria, who was absolute butt this entire game, just completely terrible, um, yet again, just like not in the right place. The ball would get to him and the prostate would just get too big and like the flow would stop. And but in this one, Reynoso grabs the ball in a quick counterattack. And he just turns and sends the ball, and Amaria is free. And oh my God, the ball that comes off of his foot is hit at such an angle that the opposition goalkeeper cannot touch it. And then it falls unimpeded into the net, which is just, it's what it's technically, it's actually a goal. That's usually what they call it. And oh, so, okay. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to ask if that's your poetic description yeah. of a chip. 
That's a that's that that's exactly what happened. So Amaria gets a goal, still owes me, I believe, eighteen goals. Um and I mean that was a pretty goal. And I think that's one goal. of the things that was that, that that was really interesting is that and I don't know if it, it if it if it comes down to, to, to Lud playing as an eight, is that Reynoso really started quickly getting rid of the ball and looking into open spaces to get the ball to. And if that's the Reynoso that's going to keep on playing and seeing where Danlari or where Amarilla or whoever else or Bangi is open to, I think that's going to lead to more results most of the time. Yeah. So let's talk about this meltdown. Yet again, we um, have three goals, and then yet again, it almost completely falls apart. Um, Savarino gets a goal. Um, we, we mentioned that. We mentioned uh, Anderson's goal. But throughout that entire section in the last 30 minutes it was just pure panic uh, you could see they started to make substitutions and you could just see the the coaches on the sideline the players all were freaking out and just like they were trying to throw something in but they were just com- being completely overrun and um it, it, i i think you know when we talk about riding the vibes i think the vibes are, are a delicate thing they have to be nurtured like a flower and um the the this team next time they face a Seattle in the playoffs I don't think they're going to wilt unless they really get um, a, a sense of kind of like composure to it because it was it was hilarious the little eight year old is in a grade above Emil's um, was just next to me he's like see dad this is why you never ha- have hope in the loons and it's like oh my god this little kid. <laughs> Emil, second, the guy. second LA scored that first one, I just retweeted like Minnesota United rent like tweeted like uh, LA gets one back or something. I just retweeted. It. I was like, so it begins, and then five minutes later they scored another. One. I was like, I didn't mean like that. <laughs> just, oh God! So I mean, if I if I may, I think it starts with with uh, Rubin. To be honest with. Um, when when his substitution came in, um, he started opening up areas. He didn't get a lot of it, but he opened it up for um, who was the who was their forward? I wanted to say, um, oh geez, trying to think who the forwards. But it just opened up more 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 plays, and then you had Chang that came in and then gave another boost of energy. And we weren't really making. It wasn't until Fisher came in, right, that we were making more of a defensive substitution to at least help out because we knew it was going on. But then again, I think um, Don Lottie, again, when he gets put in for uh, for a midfield position like Fragapane or Bongi or whatnot, it's just it I don't it just doesn't work out for him because his defensive duties just become no defensive duties and it becomes a second striker out of default. And I I, I from from my side, uh, I saw a very animated coaching staff trying to get his attention. And it, and it reminded me when, when Will Trapp was yelling at him and giving him a hard time that one time. And it's like, it's like it's, I, I don't understand if he's not understanding and he just gets like tunnel vision when he's playing on the field and that's all he wants to do. Or it, it just becomes more of like he reads the instructions and just doesn't care. Well, that's, we asked in, in our, was it late last night or early this morning, we were, talking about this in the in the 551 patreon slack and um 
was it Ian McClellan said we were asking about like what was the issue with like who was closer to the coaches or anything like that and and, and Ian said that uh, Heath was his usual self angrily yelling to his assistants and the bench about any play that doesn't come off like but I did notice that Heath and the two assistants were getting pretty animated after the first RSL goal from the body language and yelling I got the sense that the players were not doing what the coaches expected on set pieces Abu's positioning was clearly a source of frustration for them. So, I mean, that's, you know, to the eye test, that's exactly what we all saw from right. our various vantage points. And, and, I, and again, set pieces, right? I mean, we're not. Mm-hmm. So this uh, upcoming game, there's a 930 game at Vancouver. Um, it's going to be a rare one where we don't actually have a, a watch party at, at Blackheart. Um, it'll be on on a couple TVs, but there's going to be a drag show in the front and karaoke in the back. Loons are, are in eighth or seventh, depending on how this Galaxy game goes on the night we're recording. Um, Vancouver are uh, are in ninth, so this will be a, right, a, a good battle. Um, let's take a break. We've got some questions. Finish up on the 55 One podcast. Here's a question from Only Pun CEO. Did or if Dane St. Clair doesn't play like a superhero, is the team just average, below average defensively? Also, will Heath lecture us all for not believing in esports, esports badass lamps? You all act like he was never going to win another uh, EMLS match. I know that there's there's something about there's an esports player for Minnesota United named Lamps. That's all I know. He won something. He's Goat. in the uh, he's he's in the top thirty two. He's going to the thir- the the e the emls or esports no. e fifa. Yeah, cool. he's going to the cool fifa e, the fifa e world. I don't even know what it is. The e the e the FIFA world cup world of video cup. games. Great, the we nailed FIFA. it. Nailed it, guys. Okay, if Dane St. Clair doesn't play like a superhero, absolutely, we are we're below below average. Um, for, San Jose, yeah. I'm not I mean, even just below I mean, he, average. He had like three big saves, no two big saves this game. Like the the leg save that he had when there was a one v one with through ball, that should have been a goal. He, even yep. he he got us seven points early in the season. We're at seventeen points yeah. without him. Uh, yeah, guaranteed. Um, M N Hick says, "Why is Dunlady getting any playing time?" Uh, no idea, man. You're we're all on the same page here. Not sure because you know we don't have a lot of uh, depth right now. But um, I I'd, right. I would throw out. Um, that Tommy Tommy scores goals on uh, Minnesota United too. Um, just well, I mean, instead, if, if you're going if you're going to sub Dunlady in for a, a midfielder, then just give McMaster a try. He's going to all the senior games. He's never getting right. getting playing time. Just put McMaster yeah. in. So anything, put a bag of sand. Uh, out there. Just K- go to 10 men, call it a day. Casey Itty says, has any SG tried to organize trumpets or horns at a game? Maybe I'm alone in this, but I dig it. Um, not really in Minnesota. There's always been like, or in the past there was like a couple of um, horn players. I always wanted someone to have an accordion. I thought would, that would be awesome up at Nessie. Would, wouldn't really work at uh, a Loon's game these days. Um, I am not a huge fan of those sec- sections. I've seen a lot of games at Houston Dynamo, for example, and it just drones on and it gets really boring. Um, that's, that's just me. Um, I remember one game 
at the stadium before they built their they, whenever they were playing at one of the colleges down there, and um, it was forty five minutes of them playing Karma Chameleon, just forty five minutes of and my brothers who had never been to a soccer game before, like for the next week would just start singing Karma Chameleon like I hate this. Um, I will say I I do really love how organized and consistent and um, integral to the Wonderwall experience that the Thunderwall has started to become mm-hmm. this season. Um, they added Thunder. symbols this month. This last game. It's good. It's like they're, they're not overdoing anything and it's not anything terribly flashy, but it's like, it's big. It's thunderous. It's, you know, most of the Minnesotans can keep time with them and uh, yeah, not a ton of Lutheran yeah. backbeats happening, so. <laughs> the thunder, the thunder wall is the, is the lion of the Thundercats of the Wonder Wall. Is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea Barefoot says, "Since I live for the interpersonal drama, I want to hear about the abrupt correction from the head ref to the line ref when he saw the latter tried to give the ball to RSL after a struggle for it near the end of the game. Ref blowing whistle at the ref and the look on his face, such shade. I don't, I didn't see this, did I? Hey, Rodrigo. Okay, so." I don't know if you know, but everyone who is friends with Nubia on Twitter, my wife, please tweet at her and have her ask her former student, Chris, who was the fourth official at this game, what was going on? Because like, I couldn't understand what was going on either. It's like, there were two stoppage time. There were two times where like the ball just got stopped and you were trying to figure out where the ball is or who had the ball, who was head. It was just, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was messy. I did not understand it. I, I don't remember this specific one. I do know, I, I was thinking of the one where the centerline ref uh, overturned a throw-in call because they had already messed up a couple of those really basic calls, and this time the center ref got, got it right. But um, Dave Clark says, what will it take for Aziel Jackson to get a significant run out? I, I actually we talked about this um, after the L.A. match. Um, cause I asked the question, uh, replying to someone on Twitter, I think it was two United fans. Um, you know, somebody was asking like, what does it take for Aziel Jackson to get a look? And I said, I don't know if he can, cause he was lo- loaned to Minnesota UFC two. And then Jacob Schneider came in and said, uh, Aziel is on a season long loan to Minnesota United FC two with the loons. His roster spot is deemed a quote supplemental spot. For him to appear with the first team in MLS play, it would require an open roster spot and some sort of contract work with the loan. Uh, that plus AZ primarily featuring for MNUFC2 as a 10 or in a forward role. Uh, he's dropped into the midfield only once. I think this is in relation to seeing like if he could come in for Rosales and uh, not a, necessarily a, Re- a Reynoso sub. Um, so, so basically so like don't expect never. him to be on the so first never, team this season. Yeah, this season just only in friendlies. And yeah, and I don't think and I don't think a lot of the anyone who follows Minnesota United FC two or saw AZ in the friendlies or the Open Cup or a little bit last season, um, I don't think they understand that um, that that uh, contract mechanism. So he was loaned to the to the to the Toonies, um, and he can't be on the first team unless there's an open roster spot and they update his contract. Andrew Nelson says, how do the loons keep up quality of play in the second half? Are LA Galaxy bad? 
Uh, I don't know about the LA Galaxy part, but man, we need to figure something out because if you go back and look at our last six matches, uh, going back to the Omaha match, we have given up two late unanswered goals in five of our last six matches. Like we are just bleeding goals in the second half and it's terrible. And I, and I mean, some of it is he, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know if it's just because our back line is just old um, and we're gassed by the end of the match. Or if, you know, there isn't the, with how many changes there are with our, like, you know, our central midfielders, there isn't that cohesion late in matches for locking it down. I don't know what it is. But something just gets sorted out because it's bad. Yeah, it's uh, fitness to me uh, is is what I see. Um, Paul Peterson says fourth or fifth seed in the West. Um, is that a joke? I don't know. I would say seventh. I mean, I I think when you've got Seattle, Nashville, Dallas, Galaxy above you, it's pretty. Um, it's not unheard of that we we could knock any of those out, but um, I, the other thing is, confident. I mean, I I think I think we're, I'll be a little bit more bullish and I'll say it's a five or six. Um, I don't think that a lot of these other teams can maintain, um, but we're also seeing that teams below us are also dropping points like crazy. Like Houston dropped points, Portland dropped points, Colorado lost tonight. So I think we're in a good ish spot, but if we, if we pick up a couple of either lucky wins or surprising wins against a Nashville or a Seattle, I don't anticipate that happening, but if we can pick up points against Portland, um, you know, maybe, maybe even grab a couple of points from Austin, which we know is doable. I could see us going on a little bit of a run and, and climbing the table a little bit. I don't know if we're going to get a home game. If we do, that is a absolute miracle. I think sixth or seventh will be a successful season at this point. And and we talked in the last podcast episode was that if you're going to pick up to- points, it has to be July. You got Vancouver, you got Kansas City, you got DC, you got Houston, you got Portland. Those are you know you can pick up points there. So we have our best run coming up uh, ahead. Right. The the end of the season is is tougher. Um, with LAFC, Dallas, etc. But, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do. All right. Well, folks, we'll see about this Friday. Otherwise, um, we'll be back next week. We'll talk about the, we'll, we'll preview the Aurora playoff game, um, which is unfortunately at the same time as the, uh, the loons match against Casey, but thank you. You're beautiful. You're sexy. And everyone loves you.